There's something about grocery stores that make every single kid lose their mind. So our lady, uh, she walks up to the mom who has now 86 kids. All of them are crying and screaming and on the ground doing somersaults and stuff because it's hailing outside and the kids don't want to go out there. And then one of you guys says to the mom, give me your keys. <laughs> and the mom just hands them over. Why? Because everything but the vocabulary of what was said was nice. You know, it's a horrible situation. It's the store. There's hail. Kids have lost their mind. It's now up to 95 kids, uh, like all around this woman. And so one of our people walks up and says, give me your keys. And the woman's like, yes, here you go. Okay, flip that side. So now we've got everything else around it is, is, gr is great. And then the words are weird. I was running the other day. Uh, this is like a couple weeks ago. It was in the afternoon. It was warm. And the warmer it gets, I'm like everybody else, the less clothes you wear, because that's how it is when you exercise. So uh, I'm running on the canal by my house, and I've got my shoes on, I've got my shorts on, and a smile. And, uh, and I'm running like toward the end, so I'm all sweaty and gross and stuff, and I see someone I know. And so I stop, and, I, and I'm pretty sure it's them, but you know, like mask and everything. Uh, I went three for four yesterday on seeing people I know and calling them by name and being right, but with the mask and sunglasses, like you have no clue who you're talking to. So uh, I ran past the guy, and I'm like, I think I know that guy. So I stopped my workout, and then you know, a little bit, you say it a little bit quieter than normal talking volume. I say, hey, Rudy. And he turns around, he like comes back and talks to me. And it's a kid who I had had in student ministry and I was still the youth pastor here at Mountain View. And so I came back and we talked and all this stuff and I invited him to church. And here's the thing, if somebody with shorts and no shirt invites you to church, what are you gonna do? Like, that's weird. Imagine going home and telling your wife that, hey, some individual with uh, shorts, short shorts, very little shorts, and no shirt invited me to church and I think we should go. Like, that's not a good conversation, but everything else was good. Like, the words were good. It's a message that's good. It's something, it's inviting. There's a previous relationship, like a good relationship there. So let's never mind the wardrobe malfunction that is me exercising, and let's, like, stand on the content of the vocabulary. Like, that's good, you know? It's the idea that, that there's a heart behind it that wants to communicate. And what we're talking about with God today is the fact that God wants to communicate with us. This thing that isn't even spiritual, it's a human thing, that we have a desire for communication where one, per one person can walk up to another person in the store where everything's crazy, say, give me your keys, and immediately they're handed over, and then there's a dude who's running and says, come to my church, and the person actually shows up in church. There's a desire within us for communication, and God loves us and wants to communicate with us. God loves us and God wants to communicate with us. He's feeding into that inborn desire, that inborn need inside of all of us for communication. And God's plan for communication isn't just something that we do on Sundays. It's this desire for a moment-by-moment -moment communication and relationship with each of us. And that's consistent with two parts of who God is, two parts of his character about the way that he chases after us. That's the first one, is that God will never stop chasing after you. If you have a pulse, he's still on a mission. And you're his mission. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. This is why he does so many things that he does. That's why he wrote the Bible, the book that God wrote to speak to us. The second thing is, is it's, it's consistent with God's label as father. 
Like that was Jesus' favorite word, favorite way to refer to God is, is through Jesus in the second half of the Bible, God begins to be seen as a father. He always was from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible, but Jesus gives us this new way of seeing God as father. So like what Pastor Aaron talked about two weeks ago when he preached, he's talking about how, how does Jesus teach us how to pray? It starts with praying to God as our father, the person who can do everything, the one who loves us, the one who chases after us. And within that, there's a desire for communication. There's a desire for relationship. So there's a story that we're going to look at. Uh, this is uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And there's a boy whose name is Samuel, because the book's about him. And, uh, and he was a miracle child. Like his parents couldn't have a baby. His mom prayed and prayed and prayed. And Samuel came. And his mom's desire was that Samuel was going to grow up his whole life serving God. So when he's really young, he's, uh, when he's really young, his mom takes him to the church and just leaves him there. So that's, the first part is great. Kids' church is awesome. Lots of kids are in there. They're learning about Jesus. But the goal is that at the end of the service, you pick them up and you take them to your house. But Samuel never got picked up. And that was the plan all along. Like, that was a good thing. And Samuel is living there. He's learning about God. And Samuel is the only person in the church who's actually legit. Like everybody else has kind of fallen off the wayside. And so God says he's got a mission that he wants to get across. He's got a message that he wants to get across. And so he starts speaking to Samuel. This is totally unexpected. Nobody has any idea of what's going to happen. But God does because God wants to communicate with us. And so in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 1, it says this. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli, who is the priest. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. And suddenly the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? He got up and he ran to Eli. He said, here I am. Did you call me? He said, I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. And then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son, Eli said. Go back to bed. Samuel did not know, but Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? And then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, go and lie down again. And if someone calls again, say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed and the Lord came and called before, as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, yes, speak, your servant is listening. And there's a, there's a need. This is the cycle of prayer. God has something that he wants to do in the world. And so what he does is he starts speaking to one of us. Through the Holy Spirit, God, God invades our lives, gives us a desire to be part of what he's doing in the world, and puts a burden on us to do something. That's the point of, of God waking Samuel in this, is because there's stuff that God wants to accomplish, and he's going to use Samuel. So that's how all of us are. Like, we're, we're going through life, we see something, and then there's a need inside of us to do something. And if you're a Jesus follower, the way that we should respond is through prayer. Like, there are a million different things that we can do when we see things. The most effective of those is prayer, because we're bringing God into the situation to do what God can only do. And that's so far beyond what we can do. And so God has a need. God activates a desire to do something within one of us through the Holy Spirit. And then as we pray, God recognizes the thing that he started that came out of his heart first, and God responds to the prayer. Like the fact that Samuel is here in this story, again, is evidence of God doing that. Like I said, Samuel is a miracle baby. 
And Samuel came about because his mom wanted to have a child, and so she asks God to give her a child. She's married to her husband. As they're married and do married things, she becomes pregnant, and this is a gift from God. It's a miracle from God because God heard her prayer, and God answered it because it had started with him all along. That's part of the reason why we pray for people. Like, we're just praying for Sean and Judy on the screen beforehand. God knows that they're in Myanmar. God knows that everything is nuts there. God knows that something needs to happen. And so we pray, so they pray that, that people, uh, their handlers in Thailand and in Myanmar who are there making sure that they're doing good ministry, they're praying and everybody decides, you know what, it's time for them to come out. It's time for them to be pulled out and to go somewhere safer. Another couple that we've been praying for uh, is Kevin and Kate Herla. And Kevin has uh, a ton of different physical stuff going on. It's, we've talked about it before. It's not great. It's still not great. Uh, but one of the things that they've been praying for for a long time and have been told, like, this is definitely not happening for you, uh, is getting pregnant. You know, just like the story, right? There's a miracle baby. And so we found out this week, and their church found out this morning, that the next picture, throw that one up, is they're pregnant. So... Does that mean that every time you pray, you get pregnant? <laughs> As a man, no. But it's the type of thing where God has a mission and God knows exactly what he's going to do. And God has a way of bringing things about and bringing things along in his timing and in his perfect way. And he wants to communicate with that with us. Does that mean that if pregnancy has been tough for you that you're doing it wrong? Heck no. Why? Because the lady in the Bible had a really hard time getting pregnant. And godly people throughout history have had a hard time getting pregnant. But it's, it's God working in that. And God putting a desire in your heart and mind to pray. And to say, God, I want you to speak to me. I want answers in this. I want to know your light in this darkness. Why? Because God wants to communicate with us. He wants to reveal that to us. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray that as we push forward into the rest of this and then have a chance to respond, uh, that God's going to weigh on our hearts in ways that we're not used to and that he's going to lead us to a bigger appetite, a bigger hunger to hear from him. So Jesus, you're in charge. You're a good God. You're in a great mood. And you love each of us individually. We are your people. But beyond that, we're, we're individual persons that you know all about and you love us. So Jesus, give us a hunger for you today. Even if we don't even know you, we don't believe you, we're just here because somebody invited us and all that stuff. Uh, you still know us and you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. So that's what happens with the people in the Bible. That's what happens with pastors in Germany. But what about me? Like, how about me, my life, which is sometimes broken? What does God have to say about that? God tells us that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee and the method that God speaks to us. It's the guarantee and the method that God speaks to us. Uh, Romans 5.5, 5, the media team is going to put this verse on the screen. And it says this. Cool. All right. Uh, Romans 5.5, 5, I'm going to look it up. It says that we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit. That's the gist of it. We know how much God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit. What's the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is God living inside of you and me. The beginning of the Bible, God would just kind of show up places. After that, he said, I want you to build me a tent where I'm going to live and you're going to take it with me and I'm going to be there in this tent. After Israel settles in a home, they do what everybody else does after camping. They go from the tent to living in a house 
house. And so God builds a house and he lives there. And then God puts on skin and God moves into the world in the person of Jesus, which is so foundational because if nothing, like at the very beginning of everything, Jesus was God with skin on, and he showed people the way that God would love people. He showed people the way that God would live. He showed people the things that God took as most important and God's highest priority in every situation, which is God's glory. And then Jesus died for our sins. He rose again after being dead for three days, and then Jesus began to talk about the Holy Spirit. He said, wait, and the Holy Spirit is going to come, and it's going to teach you about me. And then the Holy Spirit came at the very beginning of the book of Acts, which is the fifth book in the New Testament. You can look it up uh, and read it there. And what this is, is it's God who lives inside of us. It's not God in a temple or God walking around Jesus who can only be one place at one time. It's God moving inside of each and every one of us to live and to make us more like Jesus. And the guy who wrote this, who knew a whole lot of things about God and understood it really well, he's saying this is God's guarantee that he loves us and that he's going to speak to us and he's not going to leave us. This is how much we can know that God loves us because he sends the Holy Spirit to make us more like him. This is the guarantee and the method by which he speaks. Like there are different ways that the Holy Spirit speaks to us, but it's still the same spirit. The way that he speaks most clearly and most often in my mind is through the Bible. It's the book that he wrote. There are things that are so important that just like us, he writes it down. And instead of writing it on his hand, like we all do, he puts it in a book that we can read it. He also puts it in apps that we can put on our phone, which sit in our pocket. And what I've talked about back in January is if you're thinking, man, I'd love to know more about the Bible, but I can't read well. So what do I do? Okay, version. U, one word, version, no space, version. It's a Bible app that you can download and you can listen to it. So as everybody else is reading, you can listen. And it's good news because once again, it's God's word getting into our heart and getting into our head. We talk about shape groups here or shape journal a lot. That's where we read the Bible and journal about the things that God is saying to us. If you're a guy and you don't start work at 6 a.m., join me right here or in the cafe, depending on the temperature. Uh, We meet on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. to read three chapters and then talk about, hey, this is how this hits me. This is how you could pray for me in my life. And then boom, 645, we are gone. We are off on our way to work. If you're a guy and you're not already working by six, you should be there. Unless you work the graveyard and you're like just now going to sleep. You should go to sleep at your house instead of here in the chairs. But it's how God talks to us. And one thing that I want to get clear in this is there's no age limit in God's talking. Like the person, the hero in the story, the person that God goes after, the person with the mission is Samuel. He's a boy. The difference between adults in this story and children in this story is that the adults sin a whole lot more than the kids do. Like they bring a whole lot more death and destruction and damage into the relationship. And Samuel is there. He's ready to respond to God. So if you're here and you're seventh grade and you've recently been kicked out of kids' church or somewhere in there and you think, you know what, I'm too old to be with the kids and I'm too young to be an adult and really understand God, that's not at all the truth. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. You matter to him. And he wants to teach you and lead you and speak to you just like he would an old adult. And if you're a parent or a grandparent or anyone who has influence over the life of a kid, this is part of the joy. This is part of the the goodness of following God is we get to bring people with us regardless of how young they are. Because God loves kids. Jesus loves kids. And God speaks to kids. And God speaks so that we can listen. 
Listening creates intimacy with God because we get to know God as a person. Like we said before, communication keeps relationships alive. And as God speaks to us, it keeps our fire and our desire to know about who Jesus is. It keeps it alive. It keeps it warm. It keeps it growing. It creates clarity and direction for us because we understand who God is. We understand the ways that he has made us and wants to work in us and wants to use us in situations. It creates godly conviction and assurance as we follow him. Godly conviction, that's that that idea where God isn't just after us to constantly read our mail and let us know all the dumb things that we've done in our life, but to say, hey, this is what you did here. You can do this better. I think uh, Regen, which is our church's recovery program, it's uh, open on Tuesday nights from 6.30 to 8. Uh, It's open for a few more weeks, and then it closes because the groups that you're in are groups that you're going to be in for the next uh, 10 months, and it's it's like you're locked around the same people so you can process life and process recovery together as a group, not having random people coming in every week. But what this does is, is it's God reminding us of who he made us to be so we don't have to do the things in our lives that caused damage and caused brokenness. If you have a pulse, that means you have sin in your life that Jesus needs to deal with, and Regen is a safe place to deal with that. You can ask questions at the welcome table after commercial over. But it gives us assurance as we follow him. It shows us that Jesus' victory in our life is bigger than the stuff that we've left behind. And that happens as we listen to God. All right, we're going to pause that vein real quick. Because the more we talk about listening to God, I'm well aware of the fear that we have that says, if I listen to God, all I'm going to hear is everything I've done wrong, and all he's going to do is punish me. Okay, I want to speak to that real quick. First thing is, is we're not going to be punished twice, right? If you are a Christian, if you have asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sins, then Jesus took your punishment. When God speaks to you, he's not speaking words of anger, he's not speaking words of condemnation because Jesus took those things. Jesus took the wrath of God that was intended for each of us because of the things that we had done and the ways that we had run away from God, which means that as a child of God, as someone who is in Christ, as someone who has said that death that Jesus died on the cross was for me because of me and for relationship with me, then God's not gonna, God's not gonna be mad at you. God's forgiven you because of what Jesus has done. Now, are there still consequences for our sin? Yes, but it's not punishment because God already punished Jesus. What that also means is that if you have never asked Jesus to come into your life, if you've never said, God, I need you to forgive me for my sins because I have not measured up, no one will ever measure up. No one will ever do enough good to outweigh the sin in our life. No one ever except for Jesus. And what he did was he traded his perfect life for our totally imperfect life. So if you're here and you have not asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin, if you're still banking on being good enough, doing enough positive things to negate the sin in your life, then you are still under the wrath of God. You are still living in sin. There will still be judgment and you will pay for your sins. But what Jesus did is Jesus stood in our place. Jesus is punished. Man, God's just gonna punish me. He's just gonna tell me how angry he is. No, because God already did that for Jesus. And when we invite God into our lives, when we invite Jesus into our heart, we ask for forgiveness of our sin, Jesus moves in. We move from enemies of God to friends of God because of the work of God to make us friends of God.
And so that punishment doesn't need to happen again. There's life, there's joy in it, and there's freedom in your life and mine to be able to approach what the Bible calls the throne of grace. When we ask Jesus to speak to us today, no one who responds is good enough. Like, that's good news for us. No one who responds today is going to be good enough. Like, you can look around to the side and just kind of rank us on from one to ten. That person's probably a five. No, they're a zero. That person, they have gray hair. They must be like a nine and a half. They're way holier than we are. No, they're a zero. Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died to make us right with God. We will never accomplish that on our own. Jesus did for us. And when we listen, God speaks, and his words fill our hearts with his love. That's the Romans 5.5 thing. We know that God loves us because he gives us the Holy Spirit, which shows us that God loves us. It fills our hearts with God's love. And so how are we going to do this? And the prayer team is going to lead you through this. The first thing is we're going to be still. That means that we close our eyes. And the reason we close our eyes isn't because it's biblical, like it's not there. But it helps us concentrate. It really helps us concentrate. We're not worried about what we look like. We're not worried about what's going on around us. This is us making an effort to understand God. God's not opposed to effort. He's completely opposed to earning because nobody's going to ever earn a relationship with God like we just said. But this is us being still. It's, it's us asking God for a word. And Jesus is pretty clear on that. He says, ask things of me. Seek things from me. Knock and the door will be open. He's all about asking. So we're going to be still. We're going to look to see. Which means that when God puts a picture in our head, God says something to us. We can't just immediately write it off and say, well, that's just me. No, no, no. God loves you and God wants to speak to you and God owns your mind and he's in the process of making it holy. Well, isn't God mad about the things that I've seen in my life? No, because Jesus has already been punished for those. And so God wants to speak to us. He wants to show us his love. We're gonna look to see and when we see something, when we hear a word from God, we're not just gonna say, oh, well, that's just me. I mean, I must be doing this wrong. It must be just, no, no, no. God wants to speak to us and we can't just constantly negate things that he puts in our head. As we ask God to do things and we see things and hear words, I want us to respond vocally. I'm seeing a picture of blah, blah, blah. The worship team is going to be praying. The prayer, te- the prayer usher is going to be right next to you. Nobody else is going to hear it. But you're putting fuel on the fire of what God is doing and in your, in your heart and in your mind. So we, we listen to hear, and that happens as we vocalize what we're hearing and what we're seeing. And then with the prayer usher there, you're going to test what you receive. Does this line up with the Bible? Is this going to create more of the fruit of the Spirit in my life? And all of this happens because God loves us. It's the implications, it's the outworking of the cross of Jesus, where Jesus came into the world to give his life for ours, to move us from enemies of God to friends of God, because God is constantly chasing after us. It's out of his desire to communicate with you and me, and that's what makes a relationship with God exciting. Is because he loves us. In shape this morning, one of the things that was said uh, was, was a guy's writing and he said, man, I used to be ignorant and foolish, but God never left. That's good news for us today. Because we all have our own amount of ignorance and foolishness, and we brought that with us. But here I want us to encounter the God who loves us, who sees us in all of our disaster, chases after us, and follows us, and wants to speak to us today.